0: Make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-Fi malady. Got out.
1: Come on, you dorks. You want to watch something good? Uh, yeah. Sci-Fi malady guarantees reviews of crap. Would you like to see more? No. The Rage Master launches Starship Trooper September. A bold new topic trying to make serious debate out of mass suckitude. Would you like to watch more?
2: For the last
0: time, Rage, they said no. Sci-Fi Malady. Symptom 258. Starship Troopers 2. We already reviewed this topic in Symptom 59.
1: Welcome back, Sickies, and that we did review this topic in Symptom 59, which was Alien. Uh, and for those of you who may have seen this film, Starship Troopers 2, you'll agree, I'm sure you'll agree with us as we get on with it. But we are continuing our month in Starship Troopers September. Last week we did Starship Troopers, the first film, and I'd say we had a really good conversation on the themes uh, explored in that film militarism, morality, citizenship, that sort of thing. And from here on out, well, we'll see how it goes. Particularly when we get to part 3, but for today, I think it's safe to say, Scott, that um any kind of heady sci-fi dialogue it it's not happening today.
3: There's uh not a lot going on in this film. I mean, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of uh, uh,
0: like stupidity. Uh, A a lot of this would have... It's like a late 80s action um, movie that is
3: even over the top for late 80s action movies.
1: Yeah, if they're lucky. If they're lucky. So... um, Unfortunately, we'll be minus Thomas again. He's still a little under the weather, but he'll be joining us next week, and... Uh, we'll get to hear his take on these other themes, but first, so.
0: No, 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 no. Let's be honest. Thomas is, uh, Thomas is doing a penance and he is putting the labels on the physical media copy of Ruck's new album and he's signing it Ruckstar. Yeah, we're he's expecting, the auto pen. Right. We're expecting to sell 12 million of these. So once Thomas completes all of those, he can come back to the show.
1: <laughs> okay, then. Now that Scott has made the business production decision of that, Thomas, get cracking and Rock, you hear that? Twelve million,
3: huh? Don't let me down, Rock. <laughs> That's so, not a
0: suggestion. 12 million, Twelve million of them. Twelve million of them. Twelve million of them. Twelve million of them. Twelve million of them.
2: Hey, uh, go listen, go, go listen to Dancing with Dragons on on Spotify, Apple Music, Am- Amazon Music, and wherever, wherever you can find it, uh. Great album, love love the album album. Uh, please do this, or Scott says he's gonna fire me. I am very fa- f- afraid for my job. I don't think he knows that I'm gonna be doing this. Uh, but if you do, Scott, I I'm so sorry. Back to your brother, back back to the show. <laughs> i've done
0: nothing creatively to help produce that album nothing to inspire it nothing to sell it nothing to market it nothing to produce it but i want 12 million sold (laughs) which makes
1: you the perfect producer scott (laughs) someone bring me a sandwich i have no creative input no creative talent on it but i'm gonna demand profit profit and slap my name on it for more profit Anyway, let's get on to the film Starship Troopers 2 Hero of the Federation, which sounds like a really bold uh, film. And you think, oh, this might be a good inst- ins- uh, installment. And then you watch it and you realize, nope, that's. In fact, as soon as I finished watching it, I texted the guy saying, oh my gosh, did that suck? So, yeah. Let's. Uh, I, I guess I'll start with the plot here, uh, and I'm going to go real quick on this. You have an outpost somewhere on a planet. It starts off with the, the Federation going to total war. It's a couple years or whatever after part one. And you're at an outpost that's being overrun by the bug. Can't tell where it is and who cares. It's all foggy and stormy. And this general tells a lieutenant to take the crew off to some nearby outpost while the general covers them with three other people they get to the outpost where they find a guy named dax who's being held in a boiler for killing the colonel who's in command of the outpost that got overrun eventually they put up some defenses the general comes back and they meet another woman who happens to be at the outpost named soda yes you heard me soda Get used to seeing her naked, by the way, or at least hinted nudity with the shadows, but anyway. And she begins to seduce the members of this t- crew, this squad, and implanting alien parasite bugs in them, turning her to his, her cause. An annoying lieutenant gets a bad vision of how the aliens are, or the bugs are going to use this alien parasite to take to infect a general who will go back and then further infect the command structure of the Federation and take them down that way. Fortunately, Captain Dax, the guy who's a murderer of the colonel, winds up being a hero, kills everyone but one woman who is pregnant because it helps and it gives her her psychic powers back somehow, and she escapes And Dax is labeled a hero because he sacrificed himself, killing everyone else to prevent the bug spore from getting out. And it ends with her at a recruitment center and promoting people to join the Federation war effort. And a recruiter with a mechanical hand looks at her baby and says, hurry up, we need more men for the meat grinder. And she gets mad and walks away. That's it.
0: What a horrible ending for the Dax symbiont from Deep Space 9. I mean, after everything, <laughs> all the lifetimes, and you know, I mean, Jadzia went out kind of rough, killed by Goldicott, and uh, man, I don't know what happened to Ezri that she had to give up the symbiont to, to this dude, but um, man,
3: what a bad universe change.
1: Yeah. Was there a Star Trek
3: reference there that I missed? Uh, Dax. Who was he?
0: Deep Space Nine. Uh, Jadzia Dax, is for the first six seasons, has the Dax symbiont that lives in her. It's the slug in her belly. Uh, She's got the spots. She's the science officer. Lieutenant Commander Dax. In season six, she dies. She's also Worf's wife. She gets married to Worf in season five. Uh, And in season six, she dies, and she's replaced... Uh, by Esri Dax, because the symbiont lives, but the host, the Trill host dies. The symbiont lives for, like, forever. Um, it's like, thousands of years, and it'll just keep going from host to host. And they live uh, symbiotically, you know, as a joint species.
1: Okay, well, you might be thinking of someone else, because Dax is the guy. No, 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 I know Dax is the guy. Oh, okay. Well, okay, so... But the
0: symbiont... Ah, uh, oh, man, I gotta explain the joke now. The Symbiont goes from host to host. The host can be male or female. So the uh-huh. Dax Symbiont ended up... Never mind.
1: This Okay, this for film, you sickies who are also Trekkies, you get that. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had to get the Star Trek reference in.
0: $7 million budget for this film.
1: And it oh, shows. yeah. That's actually one of the fun facts. Actually, I think it was $5 million. Whatever it was, it wound up being 5% of the original cost of Starship Troopers. 5%, folks. Uh just to give you an idea of how little money they had for this. Uh the storm clouds that you see in the film are actually uh toilet paper tubes with cotton stuck to them slowly rolled forward and they were darkened and layered digitally. And it shows. <laughs> yep. I mean to their credit, the only time they used effects from the first film was the very beginning intro. After that it was all original. Unfortunately, um, so no stock after the stock footage from FedNet um, Tippett Studio did the, the. I mean, they tried. I, I guess I give them credit for the money they had and the direct-to-video nature of this film. Um, Captain Dax is actually named for Colonel Dax in the Kirk Douglas movie Paths of Glory, which is a Kubrick film about World War One, and it is far superior to this film. Um, They wanted Clancy Brown back to play the role of Sergeant Zim, but he was unavailable due to his commitment to another movie. Good job. Good for him, because he was going to be Captain Dax. He was going to be the one who killed the colonel. Thankfully, he was off doing something else, and he was able to save his career. Good for you.
0: Yeah, this guy went on to do Desperate Housewives after this.
1: That says a lot. Captain Dax goes on to play in Desperate Housewives. Wow, that's, um, I mean, you know, he moved up, I guess, so. And for uh, the rest of these people, I think it just killed their career. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda. Phil Tippett, who was the director, was also involved in the special effects on the original film, so I guess there's a connection uh kobe who dies at the beginning was originally an indian guy named haji but sony said we want him to be asian so he became asian um let's see six million dollars there's that uh the recruiting sergeant at the end of the film you know who cares about that fact and finally, oh yeah, uh, the person who played Brick and Toe Kobe have been in a Jurassic Park movie.
3: There you go. Oh. Um,
1: but there's one more fun fact I want to get to, but it's going to lead into uh, kind of a di- the discussion topic that will really, I think kind of oh. dominate where we're going with this film. Let me before throw this do thing that, out before you do that, real quick. What's the that? F- this film
0: won the award for best DVD release at the 31st Saturn Awards in 2005. Yeah. What in God's name was up against... That's, that's when you're going to skip? What was it? Was it up against a man getting hit by football? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, what it, did, it was proved prove to me that I can't trust the Saturn Awards. <laughs>
0: Like, they got to be useless. What is, being, what is the Saturn Awards? <laughs> These are films that should have went into a trash can, but somehow became a DVD. <laughs> and it's awards.
1: Real well, quick, Scott. For you have, you have access. Google the Saturn Awards, <laughs> because I'm very curious myself. Because when I saw that, I'm like, wait, there's an awards ceremony for crappy direct to- to- video films? I mean, there's the Rondos, but the Rondos know darn well what they're up against. They're being ironic. So um,
3: there, it's an award
0: presented annually by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films.
1: Um, hmm, um you know, I'm starting to wonder if one million dollars of the budget didn't go to bribe the people of the Saturn Awards. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, because
3: yeah, I oh you know, man, its members include. Brian Singer, Steven Spielberg, Brian
0: Fuller, Mark Altman, Vince Gilligan, James Cameron and JJ
3: Abrams.
1: I I'm going to presume that everyone but JJ was missing that day. And that JJ came out and went, "Oh, mystery box, it's beautiful," you know, cuz we all know how JJ wound up in that thing. He got a lot of money and sucked up to Steven Spielberg. That was his in. So, yeah. No, I'm going to guess that anybody of merit wasn't there that day. And it was left to J.J. Abrams and the crew of bad filmmakers to vote on this. Because, yeah, no. No, this did not deserve an award except best worst of.
3: Best DVD release. <sighs>
0: Is okay, Starship Troopers 2, Bionicle 2,
3: Legends of Metru New, J U on the Grudge, The Lion King One and a Half, The Lost Uh. Skeleton of Kadarva, and Ripley's Game.
1: It was a slow year. I've never heard of any of these films. I've seen Lion King one and a half. I think it was about Timon and pumbaa I think. Uh-huh. I think. Like how they met and whatever. It's a little known I was about to call it gem, but let's just call it rock. Let's a say, little hey, known rock in your shoe. The uh the Saturn award looks worse than what I
0: imagine conceptually the rod looks like.
1: What does it look like? I'm not looking at a picture, so describe it for the sickies before we move on. Uh, The rod?
0: No. Uh, It looks like, take the leg from a Christmas story, the major reward, the leg lamp. Yeah. Make it gold,
3: and put a bad interpretation of Saturn on top of it.
1: Okay, so it's basically worse than the leg lamp. Got it. Yeah. Except that it, it's worse also in that it doesn't light up. Okay. I, mean, I,
0: I, I only know that this is Saturn because uh, it's the Saturn Awards, but it it almost looks like like an old-timey gramophone. <laughs> and it's all crooked. Okay. It's all crooked. Like, Saturn's tilting I guess like it's supposed to.
3: And then it looks like a twisted leg onto, like, a platform that also looks uneven. And it's all nice gold. Uh, it's It's terrible. I Oh my. Uh, okay, I got nothing else to say about it. I don't think I'd accept it as someone give me <gasps>
0: one and said, hey, you want this for the podcast room? It's a Saturn. No, this thing looks like no. garbage.
1: Okay, is there like any garbage. way we can melt it down and recycle <laughs> the metal? Right. That might be the only use for it. That, in fact, if winning a Saturn award sounds like it's a... Uh, congratulations, you suck.
0: The government will send you a tax bill for this, like they do with <laughs> Olympic gold medalist winners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Along with a certificate of, we're sorry this happened to you, but you kind of did it to yourself. <laughs> so, uh, so let's move on into the rips. And, well, well, rips and maybe there's a pick or two. I'll surprise Um, you and start with a pick, but go ahead. I have a pick I'll start with, too. I'll go
0: ahead and start. I like how it transitions from the sappy propaganda video where he says, come on, you apes, you want to live forever? And then they're showing the glory of war and them raising the, the mobile infantry flag, and then it immediately segues into chaotic uh, disoriented fleeing in and, and there's no light it's dark everything's confusing they're fighting for their lives they're trying to they're trying to do a tactical mm. withdrawal so you get the reality of war people breaking okay. people under stress and when this first happened I'm like, okay, okay we're off to a good start here cheesy propaganda video immediate cut to the realities of war and I've got nothing else as a pick for the rest of this movie
1: well and part of it as the film progresses you realize this is not a deep dive introspective let's talk about the nature of war it's just it was a clever transition that went south that went nowhere and you realize oh it's just part of the crappy theme of the movie oh never mind missed opportunity which turns this pick into a rip kind of my pick is Wow, the Merida is now like a laser-type weapon instead of a useless submachine, a useless full-auto machine gun that takes like four clips to take down one bug.
0: It's definitely like XCOM, where we finally got that uh, upgrade to, to better to better weapons and uh, technology to take out the
1: aliens with. Yeah, that's about it. The the the, the rifle improved, which. Kind of matches with, alright, weapons development improves during war, obviously. And it's a weapon that I kind of assumed would have been there to begin with. Um, is, as tactically useless as it is, I still like the uniform. You know, the armor and all that. Yeah. Even though I know it's completely worthless. I, they might as well be wearing newspaper, but um, still looks neat. And that's all my picks.
3: Yeah, I'll move into some rips. I'm going to, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the only
1: thing we're really going to do here. The
0: tactics here are still like just a horrible representation of how this war would be fought. You're up against an enemy that is physically stronger than you, faster than you, takes multiple shots to put down, and vastly outnumbers you. Because we're going to forget something basic about evolution here, and that is that. Bugs can have all these insane numbers because they're very tiny. And they don't need a whole ton of food and energy to keep living. Because they're very tiny. So there can be billions of them. Once you reach the size of these things, they're not going to get by. You know, they're not going to be able to feed a whole colony for a week on a Ritz cracker. (laughs) The resources to have all of these... Yeah, they're bugs. Great. You still need... And, and for sentient, sapient creatures in a society of this nature, um, you need more resources and food. And it doesn't seem like they're actually, um, well, on a planet that has any, but um, there wouldn't be this many of them.
1: But at any Not rate, unless they're cannibals or something.
3: Assuming that there were, um, you wouldn't fight them this way. You oh, no. You wouldn't go in in companies of a couple hundred people or
0: smaller tactical units as if this was urban warfare and you're going house to house
3: to try to hold you hold your ground against um a bug swarm you're basically going to die every time there I mean I know we
0: get this new like bug zapper thing that they can get behind in that outpost but um you would not fight the war this way the mobile infantry is a foot infantry are there any armored support vehicles do we just forget about tanks in the future
1: well and that's the problem we talked about last week that in the original book love it or hate it this issue was answered by the fact that the mobile infantry had these battle armor units with artillery pieces connected to them so They didn't need armor because they were this simultaneously infantry and the armor. Whereas um the film, like you just said, Scott, completely neglected the fact of you have fleet and you have mobile infantry, who incidentally don't even have land vehicles. Um what? I mean I get that they're gonna fly in, that's more reasonable, but no land vehicles. No armor, they're just going on foot. A uh, good old APA,
3: right? Uh, th- what? Why aren't the- you fighting these guys with massive? I mean, y- you should be. You should be using
0: landmines. You should be using grenades. You should be using tactical nukes.
1: I- anything well they, but guns. They did have the um, what I call the land-based depth charges which Captain Dax uses, which begged the question, too, for all the damage it did, it was stopped by a couple of concrete barriers? I mean, okay. If it's, it not it very was strict.
0: like the blast that took out Sodom and Gomorrah. As long as you don't look at it, you're okay?
1: Well, no, you could... Uh, as long as you don't look at it from a distance. Um, but I would say the concrete barriers they were hiding behind, it's like, you know, that's not that thick. Um, Plus, it's fire, and it's interesting how they have these depth charges, and how, you know, and I guess this goes into a rip. The depth charges were dumb because how can you guarantee you launch them far enough? But two, I like how the power is restored when we need it to, and it does when we need it to until it cuts out when we need it to. Um, you know, I get that's part of it, but. You got to kind of be careful and measured when you do that. Here, the mo- this movie was like, nah, we're going to cut it out and use it when we need it. Um, so, yeah.
3: I hated no. the whole concept of the parasite bug that has gotten
0: inside of them and takes oh. over and controls them. just and-
1: rip easily.
3: Yeah, and and, and, and exactly,
0: like, parts of their body just are decaying and falling off. Like, they just toss the arm in the trash.
1: And and they just rip the guy's head off so the bug can come out. Right, break their
3: fingers off. When they kill the one guy, he
0: kills the bug, and, like, somehow smashing it releases eight more, and they didn't get smashed in the process, you know, they were...
1: Oh, yeah. No, that, that was just, that's so tired and played out. That, and you know, they did the gore factor for um, just for that fact. I'm really trying to avoid the obvious because it's part of the larger discussion. But essentially, if some of you sickies are saying this is alien but worse, ding, correct. Um, I'm so it kind of reminded me of. Star Wars actually had two horror novels. You heard me. They, one guy tried to make horror novels in Star Wars. One of them was called Death Troopers. Didn't read it.
2: I did. Hello, sickies. Ruck here. Did read Death Troopers. Can't recommend it enough, actually. As somebody who loves horror, myself, and Star Wars, uh, and done both projects on both horror and Star Wars, it's been amazing to read. I read it three times now, and each time I still love to go back and just go, ooh, that was spooky, ooh, that was nice. Basically just pictures of zombies in, in Star Wars. It's pretty cool. And, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, there's Han Solo and Chewbacca in it. Whoa! Back to, back to Mark.
1: The other one was called uh, Red Harvest. I read it, and uh, Yeah. It was basically about the Sith trying to create zombies, and they did, and they got stopped. The only cool thing about this was the Murakami Orchid. The rest of the book was garbage, because horror and Star Wars do not mix, and these books didn't do well for obvious reasons. And it's not that you can't do sci-fi and horror, but some things just don't work. You, it's difficult to take a theme like Starship Troopers, which is about you know harder sci-fi or military sci-fi, and do a quick, now we're going to do horror. This movie, and, and Scott, I'm sure you'll agree with me, this is, the, this is why it's the biggest rip, it thematically stands out like a sore thumb. Every other installment in this series is something about the bug war and militarism and something related to that. This is the exception. This is the oddball out. Everybody that's made of, of movies or YouTube videos or whatever about Starship Troopers tends to omit discussing this one because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. One of these things is not like the other. It's like
0: Halloween 3 Season of the Witch.
1: Yes, but... Without the cool
0: Silver Shamrock song.
1: But here's the thing about Halloween that is forgivable. Halloween was meant to be a kind of annual, semi-annual film series about different Halloween topics. It just started off with Michael Myers, and the studios insisted that John Carpenter finish that arc with Part 2. He did it, but he hated Part 2. John carpenter has gone on record saying he was not fond of that movie um but he did it he finished it he got rid of michael myers for him and then it was assumed that okay well we got rid of the michael myers arc let's jump on to something else halloween-ish it didn't take off everyone was like where's michael myers and that's why he got part four return of michael myers and ever since then it's always been about him um at least there was a method to the madness. as yeah. what my point was. No, this one makes no work.
0: sense. It's like you wanted to try to go into the Starship Troopers universe and just create a one-off about. I don't. Conceptually, there's probably something here. There's there's probably something here conceptually with a budget and a talented
3: it,
1: there screenwriter. Isn't, I, there isn't Scott. Actually, when we get to the the sailing discussion point, we'll talk more. Let's just i don't want to bury lead. let's do a few more rips and gotcha before we do that um i hated the fact that this is the stereotypical warehousey looking outpost where everything's dark uh everything's poorly lit there's dripping everywhere it's just your stereotypical stock warehouse looks like they just went to this um the warehouse where the movie space mutiny was filmed added a few racks, and said, ta-da!
3: I hate the fact that there's no resolution for... You bring up the fact that you caught the brain bug. And then you just leave it there. Right. To go into
0: telling this story. That made no sense to me. Going back to the, it it logically doesn't flow, I I, I was like, alright, what, well... Okay, but we caught the brain bug. Have we learned anything? What are we going to tell us that we learned from that? Oh no, it happened. We we got it. We got the MacGuffin. Uh, now on to this
3: movie.
1: But we know, and the thing is, we know if you watch part three and on, we know there's some continuity with that. I don't know if they thought they would never make another movie, but yeah, I agree with you that rather than go into there and say all right well, what happened next they just said let's make a horror movie and it's like okay this could have been happening shortly after whether I was still researching but yeah it just it it makes you say hey this is part two you left off with an interesting in what happened and we know it's connected because also too at the beginning when the general's asking for a ride they talked to captain carmen um whatever her name was denise richard's character from part one so
3: you know it's connected it's just what's happening nothing um and it is kind of crazy because it's the same
1: screenwriter same writer from the first movie yeah Another thing that I really hated was, and this is a so stereotypical, especially today, the um, someone walking down a dark corridor while in the distance you hear an echoey killer going "bitty bitty spider," and it's like, oh, that's not scary. Maybe it was scary the first two times it happened, but now it's just so outdone that you almost expect it.
0: Yeah, and that scene was weird to me, too, because she's not even fighting. She's just waiting to die. As if she knows her only job there is to just distract them and
3: slow them down for a second.
1: Well, and also, too, just trying to make the characters who are infected crazy. You know, the one was um, uh, clapping about and laughing, giggling when infecting Rake. And the general was like, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, I know you want to create the family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but you know why that doesn't work here? Because this isn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Very true. So...
0: I I believe that what the sergeant injected herself with after her attack was adrenaline. That was adrenaline. Why, though, everyone else... Did they not put a bug in her? Because it looked like they were definitely putting... A, there's a they bug did. in her. They did. She, Everyone else... Okay, yeah. I was gonna, Why was she able to fight it?
1: Because she injected herself with a ton of adrenaline, which somehow helped. How? Because it's in the script.
0: I not mean, gonna understand how it helped her not to die for a few minutes.
1: And I guess that was it. But, but to she injected to actually herself fight with a the, bunch of adrenaline.
0: So adrenaline helps you with mind-controlling parasites. Got it. Correct. It wouldn't strengthen the mind-controlling parasite at all, though.
1: Correct. Different biology. Which, actually, you could argue different micro- biochemistry, but still. Yeah. Stupid. Still. Um, yeah, so... I, that and the movie... I guess the final rip for me is it's just forgettable. It's the same old dark thing where you can't see what's going on and the actors are passable, but there's nothing exciting happening. It's tenuously a Starship Troopers movie. It's mostly just a bad directed video horror.
0: Yeah. I think my last rip on this is it's really bad because once the bugs have this ability, they don't need to get it to a general to do this. Clearly the people they infect can't live long before the body starts failing and they end up dying anyway. But you now have the ability to turn any human into a Trojan horse.
1: So all you yeah. need to
0: do is pull a couple humans off a battlefield and send them back.
1: And or you can get start- a psychic, yeah, and have them psychically attack other humans.
0: You can, you can though, but you can send Trojan horse bug bombs into every single camp. Now, this is mm-hmm. this is a weapon and a skill that you have introduced that you haven't fully thought out. Because stopping it here doesn't save anything. It just stopped this vector. Yeah. This should be done. This wasn't the only way they could do that. If this ability exists, then they can do this on multiple um, attack plans. And you can never fully protect against that. This is is flawed writing in the fact that you've introduced something that is overpowerful and is very hard to conceivably let your
3: heroes defeat in the long run ever.
1: Without a lot of contrivances. Yep. Right. Which, you know, that's going to take us to our next point, but before that, I think I'd like uh, now time to go a little bit back in time, which is funny because I'm going to reference our Back to the Future month, and I just said, we're going to go back in time. You know, that song by Huey Lewis that I can't sing as well. Anyway, uh, back then we did a little commercial series called Biff's Bits, and I guess we considered it as something like a sponsor, but this time I mean it. We really are going to kind of give a shout out to our sponsor, Ruck, who you may not know at Sickies, but he's got an album. He's already got one album under his belt that he's made with one of my favorite songs on it being hush but he's got two albums now out and i think i'm just gonna let ruck give us lowdown on what you can expect and how you can get it Wait so take it away ruck
2: do you like music Well, then you'll love this. Hi, my name's Matt Ruckstar. I run several podcasts here on Raving Lunatic Media, including Cold Case Chase. Which is returning on Halloween of this year! And Zodiac Task Force. You might recognize me more if I spoke like this. What you might not know is that I have an album dropping this Friday, September 9th. It's going to be my second album, the first one being the Raving Lunatic. This one being called Dancing with Dragons. So if you like music like this... I'll be living in a sculpture I'll be living in a pastime. Or this Like, like a line Y'all just lying Be quiet so I can keep on vibing Or even this yeah. You should probably go hit the pre-save link in my bio on Instagram, at Ruckstar Official. That's R-U-K-S-T-A-R Official. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode and rock on.
0: Wait a second. I haven't received any payment for this sponsorship this is not ran by me. I want my money.
1: Uh, well, uh, maybe you can make, get some, I don't know, maybe if we sell a lot of copies, you'll get something.
0: No, no, no.
3: We're selling them airtime now. I want my money. Okay. How much did he sell? How many uh, songs or whatever?
0: Air, uh, listen, commercial air price on Sci-Fi melody runs at
1: $600,000 per 30 seconds. Okay. Well, you heard him, Ruck. Cough it up. <laughs> but Before you cough it up, make the sale and take it away. Let us know what you got.
3: Hey, Ethan will pay you three quarters
1: of a million dollars for it. <laughs> yeah. Or we could just get Don over at Don's Breakfast Cereal to sell that one-of-a-kind sci-fi malady uh, coaster for the money. That, that'll fetch a cool mill okay we are back thank you for the heads up Brooke. we are i'm most intrigued to listen in so let's kind of get into the final point i want to make about this um and that is the nature of bad projects that could only get off the ground with well stupid ideas Let, let me start with a Fun fact that will lead into this. So producer John Davison, he went to the director Phil Tippett and said, you got to direct something. Okay? And so the director went to TriStar and said, hey, how about this directed DVD thing for five and a half million bucks? And it went back and forth. They wanted to make basically this film. But the studio wanted it to be Starship Troopers. So eventually, um, and they kept saying, we don't have the money to make Starship Troopers. So eventually they just said, well, tell you what, we want to make a horror film. You want to make Starship Troopers. How about we just do Starship Troopers with aliens? This is going to be Alien and Starship Troopers with just 10 little soldiers in a haunted house. Bang, that's how they got it. One guy wanted to make a stupid horror movie, another guy. Producer wanted to make Starship Troopers. So they came up with the, okay, well, what about a haunted house? But the, instead of a monster, it's a bug. And it got attached to Starship Troopers, and that's what happened. Um, Scott, you've mentioned this kind of thing is happening all the time. You're probably right. I'm positive that the Halo series, soon to be reviewed by Thomas and I, over on Paramount, got started this way because Halo, the TV series, has uh, only about 10 to 20% of its content related to the actual story of Halo. The rest of it is all made up. It was probably made up, couldn't get pitched well, or the, the producers didn't want it until they said, Well, what if our main soldier is Master Chief? Sold, you know, franchise. So this happens a lot. You know, someone comes with a pitch, doesn't work, so I attach it to a property and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, we're good. Scott, why does, in your opinion, why does this happen? Knowing full well that a lot of these things wind up either failures or just going to direct to TV or whatever.
3: Well, studios have to
0: produce so much content, like so many things in life. You got to make 10 pounds of sausage a day and come hell or high water, you're going to make 10 pounds of sausage at the end of the day. Uh, They have to make so many films. They have to keep putting content out. You you know if you're a major studio, you're a production company. You better be doing something. You got to sell something. You've got to have a project to keep the lights on. Even if you're just a small um, movie producer, you're a small film writer. You've got to get something bought to keep to keep the lights on to keep money coming in. And that works if you're a producer. You better have some projects going. That works if you're a film company. You better have some project going that sales can sell. Um, so,
3: when you get a really bad idea, but you're looking at seven bad ideas, and the the the
0: the least bad bad idea is this Starship Troopers uh, sequel, but you know you don't have the money to pull it off, right? You sit there and say, how can we make this work? Because we've got now we've got seven bad pitches. But one of them is Starship Troopers, which has a built-in audience and is probably able, we can probably sell this to someone. If we make the budget low enough, can we make a profit off of it? And then you, you come up with this pitch of, okay, we got, we got, this guy wants to do a haunted house flick, a horror flick. This guy wants to do, this guy's pushing for Starship Troopers. Let's make this,
3: you know, a hybrid of both of them. So you take something conceptually that might be a good idea that you don't have the budget for
0: and you slam it together with something that you do have the budget for. And the result is a, a giant turd sandwich. Um but I, I think it comes down to you have to keep making films. And and if if you don't have a good film, you look at it and you say, how can we put this into if you don't have something that is interesting enough on its own to sell. You sit there and you say, how can we put this into an existing franchise that has a built-in audience?
1: Um, Knowing full well that there's a good chance it'll flop.
0: Correct. And, and, you know, someone, Paramount needs a blockbuster. Needs something other than um,
1: beavis and butthead beavis and
0: butthead and rerunning you know uh you know uh, on-demand stuff for cbs and big brother's full catalog and it needs something other than targeted to star trek fans and so you know hey we have this concept but how can we make people really want to watch it and get people on our streaming network we as you said we make it about master chief and whether it's good or bad whether it's a faithful rendition of of the story or not and it's not um it served the purpose of getting people eyes on the app and
1: subscriptions sold. You know, I think that's the point. I now, from a creative standpoint, they should n- never do this. Because you're just mushing things together, making a mud pie, throwing it at the wall, and hoping to God it sticks. That, and then thus you get projects like Paramount's Halo. Or in this case, a film in the Starship Troopers franchise that just sticks out like a Thor, Thor sore thumb. It's totally different. It's wrong in every way. It is a miss completely. Um, it's like having a peanut butter jelly sandwich while you're, you know, at the luncheon to honor the recently deceased queen. You know, it just no, it doesn't. And fit. instead of
3: jelly, it's mustard.
1: Yeah yeah. Ooh. Or Marmite. <laughs> Marmite. Anyway, so or Vegemite for any down under listeners we might That's
0: have. That's what I was thinking, Vegemite. <laughs>
1: um so uh so from a creative standpoint this is a despicable decision, but thinking of from a, a money-making producer position, it's as Scott said, got to make something and hope it works and is a built-in audience so let's do it
0: i bring up i bring up die hard as the example for this only the first and very last movies started life intending to be a a die hard film every other one of these was a rejected script that was uh, on its own a rejected script and a producer said well hold on we've got something here what if the main character is john mcclain it's most obvious in die hard four uh Die Hard 4 is about cyber hackers, and that's always supposed to ever be about, cyber terrorists, cyber hackers. And they said, well, this, no one's going to watch this. But if we put John McClane in it for Die Hard 4,
3: we've got an audience, and a lot of people are going to watch it.
1: And right. they were right. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's a real hit and miss thing. Well, I mean, making movies is that way to begin with. But, um, you know, the, the point I want to get is... You see that a lot in the comic books, too. People who are saying, let's make a new Captain America comic because that traditionally sells well. And let's have this story because Brubaker did that, you know, Cap being upset with America arc and it worked really well. Let's just do that again. Um, A lot of people tend to, you know, right now you have uh, Rings of Power is missing the mark. I'm not going to comment more than that. But a lot of people see things like this and tend to see it as evil. You know, they're trying to destroy our stories, the woke evil. And I think when you're looking at a producer's standpoint, it's not evil, it's just stupidity or desperation. Because obviously, we wouldn't say this film's evil, just bad. But it wasn't made with malice. It was made as you pointed out with Scott, with an attempt to make money because we got to make something, and this might work. You know, as any business, I'm going to try to minimize my risk. And in here, this seemed out of the as you said, seven ideas on my desk. This was the least risky, and I've been wanting to get a Starship Troopers too, and this kind of works. This this person took one of his stock generic boring ideas and turn it into a star trek troopers movie yep. good enough for me it's also why
3: money. um
0: in so an- another idea i think that relates to this is tv shows when you get into the last season of a tv show it's mm-hmm. generally nowhere near as good that that quality of that last season is generally far worse than the show at its best. And well, the reason for that is the best scripts are gone. And a lot of what you're seeing are scripts that have been sitting in zombie land since season two
3: and get touched up and reworked and something added in season eight or season seven to um so that they have
0: something. They're out of stories to tell for these people. They're out of new ideas. And so they're 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 recycling something that wasn't good enough to get produced in season three but in season seven we've got nothing left to go on so we're
1: gonna run with right and, and even if it's somewhat decent it's totally different from the beginning right yeah right. that's where the other problem comes in too
0: you've taken a season two script and jammed it into season eight and these characters aren't like
1: this anymore right
3: uh, I mean, one of I the think- crazy things, you
0: know, I love Next Generation, Star Trek. One of the crazy things, they did an interview with Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Crusher. And she said, here was the problem with Dr. Crusher in season three and four. Those, those were all scripts that have been written for Pulaski in most cases. Because she was in in season two when Gates was off of the show. And, mm-hmm. and if you really listen to some of these things that went on in season three and four... They sound more like lines for Dr. Pulaski that's being written, you know, uh, read by Cates McFadden for Dr. Crusher. Um, Yeah. That's a problem with recycled scripts. That's a problem with pre writing scripts. It does get tonally different. um, And you see characters behaving in ways they shouldn't. In the case of
3: Starship Troopers, it's just, I liken this to the Rogue One of Starship Troopers. Rogue One does not fit in the Star Wars universe. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fit. It's the forgotten movie.
1: I mean, in in my opinion, it's the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Wow, I wouldn't give it that. You're one of the few people I've ever heard say that. Because, quite honestly, if you told me pick your favorite Disney vs. Star Wars movie, I'd say Rogue One without thinking or hesitating.
0: I say that because to me, it's not a Star Wars movie. Even even the I Han see. Solo, even the Han Solo train heist to me, was at least more entertaining than Rogue One. I can't remember a name of any character other than that uh, Droid K5. I don't remember anyone in that film. K2SO? Yeah, yeah I'm sorry, K2. Yeah. Um, Whatever. It's a, it is a terrible movie. I've watched it once. I have no desire to ever watch it again. And um, But the, to me, this is the
1: Rogue One of Starship Troopers. It, okay. ma- it makes no wow, sense. That's, it doesn't that's fit. Pretty pretty heavy but you're right it doesn't fit and um again i don't want to attribute that to evil or malice i know they didn't do it to this one primarily because it came out when social media wasn't a thing but also uh there isn't really uh well i don't know what would happen if it came out today if there'd be a there's a woke agenda probably not but um i don't really see a woke agenda in this. no not at all that's why i said probably not but the point is you see a garbage flick and it's clear that they just mushed things together because they wanted to make money off a potential built-in audience they were desperate to make money and it's no different than making a dumb movie today that doesn't fit or a dumb show like halo i just need money i need to make something and here it is this is what i think is going to do it and you're you're an exec you're a producer at a tv studio you're the least creative person in the building that includes the janitor
0: look john davidson john davidson probably was under contract had to get something made for TriStar pictures if he couldn't get something made he was going to be in trouble so this is what happened conceptually i do think there was potentially something here um you could have continued on the theme of um how glamorous the propaganda films and the propaganda pieces make war look versus the cold reality of it. Um, And I think you also were going somewhere with captain Dax with um, callousness or incompetence of the officer class. You've got it in the Lieutenant who's terribly, terrible tactically deploying his team. Doesn't sound the retreat. Doesn't know how to use the main defenses of the outpost. Um, you could definitely have done something um, about the incompetence of officers, especially when Captain Dax says, officers, just tell
1: the infantry where to die. Um, and says, and watch th- out for officers. These are good, Scott, but you're forgetting, well, maybe not forgetting, but you're not highlighting that that's not what they wanted to go. They wanted a horror movie. Yeah. They wanted Alien. Correct.
0: And, but they and left these, these original conceptual nuggets in there and had they went, and then at the end, you've got the guy that says we need more for the meat grinder. It could have been the callousness of the officers fighting the war, not seeing the privates as uh, humans, but as just fodder to throw at the the bugs. And chess oh, pieces sure. on a board. You even get there, and he's got a chess board in there, like moving chess pieces, and that's all they are—is pieces on my board. And we really should have seen something about why Captain Dax killed the Colonel. What was the order that the colonel gave that Captain Dax felt it was necessary to kill him for that order? Yeah, a
1: a throwaway line
0: would have helped with that. Anything would have helped, but we have, we don't really know what took, we have this guy who is literally a hero of the Federation, Purple Heart, uh, multiple times. He's won every award there is. He is the baddest soldier
3: walking. And he's an officer. And something his superior officer ordered made him kill that man and felt
0: that it was deserved, and he's not even going to try to hide from it. And we could have gone down the psychological self-torture that he was going through, that we know he's going through, throughout this movie, but we never explore that. Conceptually, there was something really good. You You could have even still salvaged this alien horror flick thing in a haunted house with 10 soldiers by exploring these things. And the movie was only 92 minutes. You had time to go in and show what happened at that outpost a week yeah. earlier and why he killed the colonel why he got locked up. And so that
1: well, when you get there, you know he's there. Could have just had a, a recording someone's journal, live journal or whatever. Yeah,
0: you had the time. An H- hour and 32 minutes, you had the time.
1: I, again i think it's because they weren't going for any of those things and that's generally what happens when you have these films that are just mishmash of well i want to make this but the studio wants that so let's just mush them together maybe there's potential there but they blow it because there's a creative direction that no one can agree on or when they do agree on it it's garbage like this so um And for that reason, I mean, unless you've got anything else to say, Scott, my recommendation is, even if you want to know the Starship Troopers mythology, let's say you're into it, this is a film you can skip. Because at the end of the day, the brain control bugs are dead. The only character left is uh, not Rake, but Hopkins or whatever.
0: And that's it. And she clearly retires from the military.
1: Yeah. So Uh whatever threat existed is gone. I guess that's kind of a pick. They wrapped it up nice and tight. But, you know, there's nothing about the Federation in there beyond just these are soldiers fighting bugs. And uh, being that this is a blip on the radar and out of place tonally, skip it. If you're short on time... And you want to watch the rest of the Starship Troopers movies? Do that. Just skip it because this doesn't fit. So I guess with that in mind I'll just rate, throw my writing out there. How many brain control bugs do I give this? Between what I just said and the fact that it was a mishmash that I didn't care for. It, it has all the cliches I don't like anymore because they're overplayed. It's a one. It's a one.
3: I'm gonna give it a three, and that's probably a surprisingly high rating from me for this. But yeah, it's a bad movie. But there's enough. It, it's it's blessedly fast.
0: It's only 92 minutes. It moves quickly, and um, I mean, it's so much horrible. It's derivative of Aliens in a bad way or Alien in a bad way. Um, you've got discount John McClane Captain Dax. Uh, and, and it's clearly something that didn't know what it wanted to be from the start. That said, I didn't hate that I spent an hour and a half watching this. It's just something I'm like, boy, that was terrible, and I really have no desire to see Starship Troopers 3 now. Um, it's, bad. <laughs> it's It's very bad, but I've watched a lot worse, and to get to a 1 or a 2, look, this had a plot. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, um, it made more sense than, you know, it wasn't built on an idiot premise, which is where most of my one ratings go to, uh,
3: but it's still bad. It's, 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 it's bad. It's very bad. I'll give it a three.
1: Okay. So sickies, um, if you, like I said, if you, I think it's safe to assume that Scott and I would both agree that it's a very missable film. Absolutely. If you miss it, you're not missing out. Nope. Um, but the, the only reason you sh- to watch this is for if you're a completionist. Yeah. But the things you shouldn't be missing are over on uh, Raving Lunatic Media. You can check out what's going to be th- next month, the uh Ruck, is that right? You could chime in.
2: Yes. Casetorium starts next month, October
1: 30th. Uh, you can check out the Casatorium. and If you want to listen to the older episodes, those are all available on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, part of the Casetorium coming back is a case of the chills. Hopefully there will be something about a haunted elevator on there. Layla, please. And we, of course, have our next episode of Zodiac Task Force coming out on Saturday where I'm back in the writer's seat and you can rip it a new one, Scott, and anybody else. I'll be interested in hearing that, which you can gladly do at our Discord page or at...
0: RavingLunaticMedia.com 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 RageMaster. What's left for them to do?
1: Stay sick, sickies.
0: And watch out for Carol Baskin. I don't know why, Just watch out is. for her.